0: all right welcome back to the high button podcast today's episode is brought to you by the roxbury urban dive bar located at 1743 grafton street right there on the corner across from the scotia bank center make sure to go to the roxbury before an event at the scotia bank center it could be a concert moosehead game basketball game whatever it is you'll get better drinks better food better service five dollar food all day every day they have a DJ seven nights a week. I'm sure with this DJ, you can request a song. Maybe you would like a 90s song. Speaking of 90s songs, Wednesday night is a 90s night. So there you go. You don't even have to request a 90s song. You just go Wednesday, they'll be playing 90s music all night. Uh, Sunday night, it is Sin Sundays. That's an industry night. $3 well shots, $6 doubles, and $5 pints. With prices like that, you cannot beat anywhere downtown. Halifax. On Sunday, let's say you're hungover, head in on there. They have a boozy brunch. Same $5 food. They also have $15 of pitcher for Caesars. If you like Caesars, $15 a pitcher, another great price. That's a weekend special. Make sure to head into the Roxbury. Remember, when you are supporting the Roxbury, you are directly supporting the High Button. Thank you very much. All right, people, welcome back to the High Button Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. It is a sunny sunny monday out there so make sure to get out there enjoy it because the next six months it's going to be rainy snowy foggy did i already say rainy nonetheless you understand uh, what i'm talking about so when you get off work or whatever you're doing today make sure to get out there walk your dog go fly a kite go have a picnic what else can you do in the sun go surf just find your happy place it is monday people are afraid of this day for some reason uh but once you're done this day i think it's easy for no hunt hump day sorry wednesday's the easiest day After hump day, you're good to go. But fuck that. Do whatever you want. It's Monday. It's sunny. Get out there. Enjoy. When you're off work, um, have some fun. Find your zen place. Uh, So today on the high button, we have Adam Lowry. Adam plays for the Winnipeg Jets in the National Hockey League. Uh, TJ Gagliardi hooked me up uh, with Adam. They played together in Winnipeg. Um, He's very nice enough to uh, mention the high button podcast to Adam. I messaged Adam. Adam was more than happy to come on. So we are happy to have him. At the High Button Podcast, we're going to talk to him about his junior days. Uh, swift Current Broncos in the the in the WHL is where he played. Then he was drafted by the Winnipeg Jets, third round, sixty seventh overall in the two thousand and eleven NHL Entry Draft. Uh, played in the AHL in Saint John's, Newfoundland, for a little bit. Then got called up to Winnipeg, uh, and you know he's been with Winnipeg ever since. Played 297 NHL games. Um, I'm excited to talk to. I'm excited to talk to this guy. Anyone that's in the NHL, man, I'm telling you, these guys are living the dream. So the fact that he's taking time out of his day to talk to little old me at the high button, I appreciate that. So without further ado, here is the interview with Adam Lowry. All right, so Adam, thank you very much for joining the high button, man. I appreciate you calling in.
1: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me um, We had Devin Shore on from the Dallas Stars the other day And after the podcast, he scored two goals And he had the game winner So there's a little bit of pressure on you <laughs> for the next game here Well, hopefully it helps I've been
1: on a bit of a cold streak So maybe this will get me out of the funk
0: I'm telling you, it's a thing It's like it's the high button, good luck, something I haven't named it yet, but there's something about us and good luck
1: There's a little mojo going
0: on A little mojo, that's a great word, mojo Who do you guys play next, actually?
1: Yeah, we play Washington on Wednesday.
0: Oh, that's Stanley Cup champs. That's gonna be a tough one.
1: Yeah, that uh, no, that'll, that'll be a good one. We, you know, it's always weird when we play Eastern Conference teams. It's you know, it's kind of harder to game plan for them because we only see them twice a year. But yeah, it's always exciting. You get. OV in town, you you get some of their their star players. It's it's always a fun game to play.
0: Do you notice a difference between like East Coast and West Coast teams? Like, is there a huge difference or not so much?
1: Oh, the, the styles are completely different.
0: What really? Like,
1: the, oh yeah, like if if you watch the East games, they're they're wide open. You know, they they go up and down the ice. There's there's maybe one or two guys that are finishing their checks on a on a nightly basis. You know, it, it's a lot. I don't want to say it's necessarily a lot faster, but it's, you know, they're, they're going up. They're, they're trading chances. It's it's a high-event hockey, whereas I find in the West it's it's a lot of grinding. It's, you know, it's a lot of in-zone play where you're breaking teams down through the cycle rather than trading chances. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's a lot of guys in the West that like to trade chances. You like a Connor McDavid getting up and down the ice, McKinnon, guys like that. But, you know, for the most part, I think they're – the coaches in the West and, and the style of players that we have over here. It's try and limit the chances. You, you don't want to be trading chances. And then when you get to playing the East teams, it's, it's totally different.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I think it's just, it just happens to be that you get a certain style of player and then you start building your teams around that. And you look at when Crosby came in and O V came in, these guys are terrific playmakers of goal scorers and, you know, they started to score goals and they love to score goals. And, you yeah. know, sometimes you have to give up uh, some chances to, to get those opportunities. And I, I think each team kind of adapts to the teams in their division. You look out west and the teams that were successful, and LA won a few cups a few years ago, and Anaheim's always had a big, strong team. And teams started to emulate that style in the west, and then it kind of became an arms race over here. And then. Yeah. You see in the east they they kind of had a lot of puck movers, a lot of you know smaller guys that could skate and it, you gotta you play those teams more, you gotta have guys that can keep up. so I, I, I think it's just kind of evolution yeah. by you know like who who you're playing against. Do you
0: think your style of game fits better in the West? I think it does.
1: yeah'm'm I'm, I'm, I'm a Western conference guy. Yeah. I think it's it's a lot more beneficial to, to the way I want to play.
0: Absolutely. Um so I want to talk about like your childhood a little bit. I like to start these podcasts like beginning to end and where you started out to where you are now. So you were you you were born in St. Louis. Your dad was playing in St. Louis when you were born? Yeah. So are you Yeah, no. I are you, I was
1: born in St. Louis, okay. but he was picked up in the expansion draft like real shortly after so i didn't spend much time in St. Louis. He was there for a while. My brother was born there. But we you know, my early childhood was was spent in Boca Raton, down in Florida. So unreal. That's kind of that's where my first start, first taste of hockey came. Um, you know, the, the ninety six Cup run and and all that. You know, I was real young for that. But growing up, we had a bunch of the the toy rats in our in our sandbox in our little uh, little backyard. So um, you know, I, I have fond memories from from living in Florida. And from there, we we moved to San Jose. So. From one hockey hotbed to the next, I know California hockey's obviously picked up in the last five to ten years. But when we were there, it was uh, you know it was still trying to get get its footing. And then ultimately, my dad signed with Calgary in two thousand, so we we moved to to Calgary when I was eight, and that's kind of where we've been ever since. So that's kind of where I developed as a player. That's where all my friends are. That's where I, I spend my off season.
0: Yeah. I want to talk about like you know your father played in the nhl and a lot of people say that when you have a father that's in the nhl playing coaching whatever you get to be in the dressing room you'll get to go out on practices and you'll get to have advantages that you know other kids just wouldn't get i was wondering if you had any stories about you know being in a dressing room having a conversation with any players or coaches or anything like that
1: uh well you know what I, I think my brother and i we we were fortunate we got to be around the rink a lot growing up um whether it was in Florida, San Jose, you know, I, growing up the Sharks were my favorite team and Patrick Marlowe was my favorite player. And, uh, yeah, so he was living, he was 18 years old and, uh, it was his first season in the NHL and he was living in Kelly Rudy's guest house and Kelly Rudy's nephew, uh, Curtis Volk was down visiting and, you know, I, I, just went over to, to see him, you know, we were the same age and everything and ended up getting to, to shoot some balls with, uh, Patrick Barlow, so that that was pretty cool. And then, when we were living in Calgary, we we lived on a, a lake, and you know Mark Savard lived on the same lake, and he, he ended up buying goalie gear, and he he'd go on net for uh, my brother and I and our buddies. So that that was pretty cool, you know. That, this was when Savard was just starting to you know really light up the league uh, before he went off to you yeah. know really make his mark in Boston. But you know it was pretty cool. Like you get to shoot on uh, a guy that your dad plays with but you know a, a guy that's you know a budding superstar in the nhl and he strapped it on the pads and you were eight to ten years old at this time and you know that's it was pretty cool
0: absolutely what a cool stuff that's that's so sick so coming up you're uh, you have the option i'm assuming like you went to the chl but i'm assuming you had uh, options to go to the ncaa what made you uh pick the chl route
1: yeah, well, you know what, like, I, I was always a pretty good student. That was kind of, my parents, that was important. It was, you couldn't just focus on hockey. You had to take care of your grades, and, you know, one couldn't be more important than the other. And my brother ended up playing four years at Cornell. He played hockey there. And okay. So, you know what, it was, we kind of both went different routes. I think I wasn't really decided one way or the other, and I'd been drafted by Swift Current, and, you know, I, I was always open to the fact that, uh, you I, I wanted to play pro hockey, and um, my dad had coached in the Western League, and you know I, I'd grown up around the WHL, and I went to Swift Current as a 15-year-old and, and got a taste of it, and then you know I, I came into the camp as a 16-year-old, and I I hadn't played major AAA the year before; i I'd, I'd been cut from that team. They ended up going on to the the Telus Cup, but um, so I, I I didn't really have any expectations of. You know, playing in the Western League as a 16-year-old, but I, I went into camp and you know I, I started to have a good camp and I got to stick around a little longer, a little longer, and um, I mean, finally we had to kind of make that decision: did I want to you know sign my uh, standard player contract and, and forego my NCAA eligibility, and or did I kind of want to hold on to that? And you know, my dad had a good talk with Mark Lamb and said, you know, if he's if he's going to be doing this we want some assurance that you know he's going to be sticking around for the year he doesn't necessarily have to play every night yeah but you know we want you you know to take the time and and try and develop him and and mark was awesome so you know i I signed it and looking back I, i was thrilled i was fortunate to to play in a good organization um we didn't have the the most uh, successful records on the ice, but uh, I, I thought it was a great place to develop, and I, I'm really happy uh, with with what, how how it turned out for me. And yeah, I I have uh, a ton of good things to say about the CHL and the Western Hockey League. I was
0: gonna say, was there any culture shock living in Swift Current? There's only 16,000 people. Like, what did you do outside the rink? <laughs> Are you a big
1: yeah? You know what? It's like the first time driving there uh and we're, we're just driving through the prairies and you know we, i got to a small town i asked my mom is this it and she goes no like yeah it's, it's not it like it, it's bigger than this and we finally get there and i say oh this is it and and she's like yeah like this this is it and um so you know there's a bit of an adjustment time i think as a 16 year old kid though you, you don't really need a whole lot to to make you happy I think one of the advantages is it's such a small community and you know, everyone's bills was five minutes away. My, my first year, I didn't have a car there and I could walk, I lived on the street of the school. I could walk to school, you know, hop in with a guy and get a ride to practice. And you know, you wanted to hang out at night. Everyone's so close. And yeah, you you really only need your Xbox and the movie theater at at that age to to have a good time. So, (laughs) um, it was awesome. I, you know, the the people in Swift Current were were great. They they really supported our, our team, and you know, it was a cool experience. I think it was something totally different from what I'd grown up to. I'd always been in big cities, and yeah, you know, to go to the small town. Uh, you know, I I really enjoyed
0: it. It sounds just like a classic junior story. Just like going to the small town, you learn a lot. Learn about learn learn a lot about yourself, who you are as a hockey player as well, and then you develop into an NHL guy. That's what it sounds like to me, at least. Um, yeah
1: like I, I you know you, you spend a lot of time there there's not a, a ton to distract you I think that was that was a good thing you can get into trouble obviously anywhere you are but I um, yeah it, it was a lot of fun there was a lot of great guys and guys I'm still friends with today on from my time in junior and you, you spend a lot of time in the bus going across the prairies and yeah a lot of a lot of good memories are made.
0: So then you get drafted to Winnipeg after that, and you go to St. John's, Newfoundland. Was that your first time on the East Coast?
1: Yeah, that was, that was my first time, and that, that was another uh, another uh, shock. I remember the first time I'd uh, just finished my 19-year-old year and, in uh, Swift Current, and I had uh, gotten called up to St. John's to kind of finish their season. and. I ended up missing my first flight. There was there's big accident in, in Calgary, so I, I didn't get to the airport on time. So I, I ended up catching the, the next flight out, but there there's no easy way to get to St. John's. So you know, I, I think I landed three four a.m. and I remember hopping in uh, the cab and you know, the lady looks at me. What are you at, my buddy? And, I, and I'm I'm real groggy at this point, and I am like, pardon? Pardon me? What do you at, my buddy? Where are you to? And, and I'm, I, I have no idea what she said. I'd like, uh, the Delta. I, but you know, the, the people at St. John's were, were unbelievable. We we sold out every game I played there, and we went on a, an extremely long playoff run. And, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. It was another cool experience. Um, living on the rock, it was a nightmare to get to. Yeah. But, you know, once you're there, it was awesome. We, we had a couple games postponed because of snowstorms, and you know, I had uh, my first real uh, experience with uh, rental property, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, we, we ended up getting the house infested with mice, and oh. that was uh, that was a treat. I think we caught twenty nine in like two days, and uh, that that was enough for us. We we finally uh, we moved out, and then you know, had a big fight trying to get our uh, damage deposit back, but. <laughs> ended up working out we ended up getting it um so yeah there, St John's was great too um it, it's just totally different i you know I, I think it's it's like a small European town almost uh
0: I've never been what's what's oh, what's George street like
1: oh George Street's awesome
0: have you ever it's, been have you been screeched in
1: oh yeah I've been screeched in
0: what is so what is a though, what, what is what is that again explain it
1: yeah so you gotta there's a saying. And then you got to kiss the cod, I think it is. And then you, you take a shot of the screech, which is the the Newfoundland. I don't even know what type of alcohol it like is. Tequila but tequila
0: or not tequila, like vodka?
1: Yeah, I think it's a vodka. And then you, you take a shot of that and you're screeched in. And then you, I believe you're an official uh, member of Newfoundland. There you go. But Yeah, so that's uh, my uh, our second place, because I was living with J.C. Lepon and Brennan Kitchin so our our first place we were above george street and then the place we ended up moving into we were on water street which is right below george street it's kind of the main main drag in saint john's and basically my my window was right onto the street and if i opened it four or five times a week i you'd hear live music i think you know it'd quiet down maybe on a monday tuesday but um for the most part uh that that place is always going
0: unreal so there, do you lived right on george street so there must have been parties no, going I on no i
1: lived on water street so i was uh, the street below george street oh
0: so one street below okay yeah did you just walk to the rink is it close or you just you, like how yeah
1: i you know i in st johns i didn't have a car either it was like i said it's uh it's not the easiest place to get to so i didn't, I didn't want to ship my vehicle out there yeah um so i we lived right down the street um, ben Sherrod would pick us up sometimes if there was a huge snowfall, so that seemed like it was a daily occurrence. But <laughs> it, sometimes the, for our groceries, we would just send out a tweet and ask a fan to come pick us up, and they'd come pick us up, drop us off in no. Moscow, and we would just text them later when we needed to be to be picked up and. They'd pick us up and, you know, we maybe give them tickets once in a while. But, oh no, God. the people there were so, so kind that, you know, they would kind of, <laughs> yeah, looking back, now, it seems a little weird. But at, at the time, it seemed like a perfectly sensible thing to do.
0: I have a buddy that, you know, uh, Louis, you know, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So there used to be a team yep. in uh, Lewiston. And yep. I have a buddy who got called up there. It was his first game. It was like, it was in the winter, like mid-season. And it was just total K. Like, he didn't know who his billets were or anything. So, like, after the game, he's just kind of standing around, like, signing autographs for fans and things like that. He's just standing there. doesn't really know what to do. So, all of a sudden, like, two fans essentially come up to him. And they're like, hey, like, what What are you doing? Like, what, what's going on? He's like, oh, nothing. I'm just I'm trying to find a place to sleep. Like, I'm looking for my billets. And these fans essentially just, like, pretended to be the billets. So like, yeah, like, just come with us. Like, well, you know, you can sleep at our place. And he just thought like, oh, okay, well, obviously you're my bill. That's like, you wouldn't just make that up. So anyways, this guy, he gets in the car. He goes like 30, 40 minutes away from the rink and he's starting to freak out. He's like, all right, I, I shouldn't be this far away eventually gets to the place. The owner of the team calls him up like, hey, where are you right now? He's like, oh, I thought I'm at my billet's place right now. Turns out he's just at some fan's place, 45 minutes away from the rink, freaking out. His dad's calling the owner. Oh, man, it was one of the (laughs) funniest stories I've ever heard.
1: Oh, that's funny. We actually played in uh, Lewiston. Um, Portland was having a... The Portland Pirates were having a kind of rink dispute out of Portland, so they ended up having to play... So my first year in the American Hockey League, we played all our games against Portland yeah. in Lewiston. So <laughs> that's funny.
0: I heard some funny stories coming out of that part of the world, Lewis, or just Maine in general. <laughs> um, I just stayed in my hotel there. Yeah, well, that's what you should have done in Newfoundland. You should have just stayed in the Delta. Forget about the rats. Holy oh, so I, I
1: stayed in the Delta. I was in the Delta my like when I got called up for three, four weeks. So I'd spent enough time in the Delta. I needed to, to get out and e- experience some real Newfoundland
0: living. That's fair. All right, so then you get uh, – I love, the, I love uh, the first NHL game story. I love it. I love – some guys can't sleep the night before. Some guys are fine. Well, what was your experience, first NHL game? Did you have to fly in or just – yeah, just give me the story. No, I guess. so
1: I, my first NHL game was the first game. It was, ended up being my first year in the NHL. Okay, perfect. So I, I made the team out of training camp and I got co- – Uh, told about four or five days before we were going to phoenix that you know i was gonna start the year with the team and i was gonna play the first game and um
0: so no call-up story all right this is the first this is the first
1: so i had uh my mom fly in and uh my great aunt and uncle they they came in and you know um so we, I was in Phoenix. So I'd obviously go out first and warm up. No helmet, what, what not.
0: No, cocky. Oh my God.
1: No, no. I, I, <laughs> I, I would have worn a helmet. But,
0: I'm my joking. My helmet <laughs>
1: randomly disappeared. Uh, Dustin Bufflin, I think, hit it. So, which is fine. You know, you feel cool. You get some cool pictures with without the helmet on. And, uh, but my line, I, my line's probably the most interesting thing. I think we won seven, one that game, and I didn't do anything. I was just happy to be out there. Of course. Um, but I was playing with I was playing left wing at the time, and Matthew Perrault was playing at center, and I had Dustin Bufflin on my right wing. So my first fifteen games or so in the NHL, I had uh, Buff as a, a winger,
0: security guard.
1: Yeah, exactly. What
0: What's he like as a as a teammate? I hear some amazing stories about that guy.
1: Yeah, he's, he's awesome. I think, you know what, he, he's a pretty funny guy. His, his personality, he's pretty carefree. I think you see some of the, the videos of him mid-game, and he, he's got the puck in the corner, and he looks at the camera and winks or laughs. and <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's. it's amazing what he can do. He's such a big guy, but he, he's so agile, and it seems like no one wants to go near him, and I, I don't really blame him.
0: The other game, the what was it? No, yeah, you guys were playing Dallas, and then, He hit someone from behind. No, someone hit you and then he hit someone from behind. Anyways, you ended up fighting Richie. Oh, no. So,
1: you know, so this. Shife hit Faxa. Carrick comes in. He hammers Carrick from behind and then keeps Carrick on the ice with maybe one or two more cross checks. Yeah. And then I ended up having to fight Richie off the next face off. Yeah.
0: Do you guys, like, you guys have fought each other before? Is there some bad blood there?
1: No, not. Like, not at all. I think it's just, it just happens. The, the, the one time he had kind of hit Enstrom high, I think he, he knew it. So I asked him to fight and he said, sure. And then this time he comes out and cause they have a young Finnish guy. That's usually the centerman on their, their fourth line and okay. I'm waiting for him to take the draw. And then I look up and Richie's in the middle and I asked like, Hey, did he just get kicked out? And he's like, no, no, we got to fight. And at first I say, no, like I have my hand taped and. I don't really want to fight, but it's 2 nothing for them, so I was like, okay, sure. There you go. So, you know, I, he he obliged me the one time, and so, you know, what I, I felt like I owed it to him to, to give it back to him.
0: It was a good fight. You guys were talking at, well, the reason why I asked the question because I was watching the fight this morning, and then after the fight, you guys were yapping at each other, and I couldn't tell if, like, if you were pissed or if you guys were just like, eh, hey, whatever, good fight.
1: Uh, no! He was saying he couldn't get his grip, and I was asking why he hit me when the linesmen were in. But no, like there, there's no bad blood. I think you, you know you, you play the game hard. That's yeah. part of the hockey, and yeah, you're swinging for the fences when you're fighting. But once it's done, it's done. I think you, you can leave it there.
0: Right on. So Winnipeg, right now, is it snowing there?
1: No, it's actually sunny. It's uh, it's one degree right now. So it's it's a balmy day in Winnipeg.
0: Balmy day in Winnipeg. Um, but ha- it it has snowed like already this year, right? Yeah, we we already have snow on the ground. Um, oh yeah, so like yeah, you guys are are you guys selling out every single game right now in Winnipeg? Like I know when we uh, the reason why I bring it up because when I was talking to Shore last podcast, I said. Your uh, where where's the word the the place that you least like to play? And he's like Winnipeg, not because it's a bad rink or anything. It's just the fans are relentless. It's so loud you can never hear yourself think. He just says it's a very hostile environment to play on a on an on an away game. Can you I, attest to that? It's Maybe a talk spot. about your what? It's a
1: friendly spot.
0: No, but he says we, in, love, we
1: love playing here.
0: I know, but for an away team, like <laughs> no, I know. I yeah, know. yeah, I, oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh. <laughs> Yeah, we, we sell out every game. I, I Like, we have the smallest rink in, in the NHL, which I think is an advantage in a sense because it's just you don't have as much space to fill up with noise that, yeah. you know, the noise kind of seems to get on top of you. And when when the fans get into it and they get uh, rowdy and it, it gets loud, I think you really hear that in the playoffs. Um, you know, they, they really got behind us. The, the fans here are terrific. They... Yeah. So much support, and I, I think that's part of the reason why we have such a good home record. Um, dating back to the last two years, I think our game against Toronto was the first game we'd lost in, like, 15 at home, and then we technically lost again at home in Finland, but, you know, we, when we're actually at the MTS, Bell MTS place now, I guess you you have to call it, but when we're actually there, you know, we're real comfortable. We, we always feel like we're in the game. We, we could be down a couple goals, but momentum is a weird thing and it seems like once we score a goal and we get the fans going that kind of the tide starts to change and you know our, our team just starts rolling and you know we're, we're a real high high powered offensive team that oh yeah it seems like we we can score goals especially when our top lines rolling um it seems like we can score goals at will sometimes Are Not the boy- me personally but
0: yeah <laughs> Are the, are the boys ever on line able to grow his beard back? Why doesn't he grow it back?
1: Oh, no. I, I think we're, we're happy with his uh, decision this year. So <laughs> I, I think he's happy, too. Like, talking to him, I, I don't think he loved it. But, you know, it, it's a pride thing. They, they made a, a gentlemanly bet, and yeah. he had to keep it out, and they, they stuck to it. So, you know, they I give him some props for, for sticking with it because I know a lot of people are giving him a hard time throughout the year.
0: That's hilarious. Um, Ehlers as well Ehlers is a Halifax Moosehead guy who's here for a couple years does he ever has he ever said anything about Halifax's junior days in the room or anything like that it's a Halifax Uh, question I gotta ask
1: yeah no you know he I think he he enjoys his time he he doesn't really talk too much about Halifax that's
0: fair was he um, does he uh, fit into the team well I guess I shouldn't ask about him but he, oh, fly uh, guy, Fly guy's awesome. No, I know, I know, he's great. But his transition to the NHL it came so quickly, and he's so comfortable in the NHL. Have you ever played on his line or anything like that uh, up in Winnipeg?
1: He's like one of the few players on our team that I haven't played with. Really? Um, but I, I sit next to him in the dressing room. Do you? Uh, yeah. So he, you know, he, he's awesome. I, I think the the best part is, you know, his, his nickname's Fly. You know, I th- I think it's because he's so light, but it might be because he's always buzzing. We're we're
0: not really sure. Yeah.
1: Blake Wheeler came up with that one, and <laughs> but you know what? Our our like favorite thing about him is in his fight in his fighting career. We, we say he's two and zero. He, he one punched Tyson Berry. Yeah, if you could call it that? Uh, you'll have to look it up. But, I will. You know, we're all like from the bench, like no, don't do it, don't do it, and then he, he ends up. Being able to handle himself, and he ended up fighting Colton Sissons this year and did pretty well as well. So, but now it's just funny that uh, you know he's two and always oh, undefeated in his career, and you know he's a, he's a bit of a heavyweight now.
0: That's hilarious. I'm happy to hear it. I think he fought once in Halifax too. I think he won as well. Those European oh, guys, man, they surprise people. They're sneaky. Very sneaky. Um, okay, Heritage Classic. What's the key to uh, to staying warm in those games? So you just gotta get going or do they have heaters on the bench or anything like that?
1: Yeah, the, if the benches are are heated and we did ours so early in the season that it wasn't it wasn't cold. Like we our game was delayed because it was too sunny. Oh. That the, the glare was gonna be affecting and give the one team an unfair advantage or whatnot. So You know, we we ended up having to wait, I think, an hour and a half uh, for puck drop, but, you know, I I wanted to wear the turtleneck and, (laughs) like, all that stuff, but it it was so warm out that I wore
0: basically everything
1: I'd normally wear, and then I threw on a tinted visor just because I thought it'd be really cool, and some of the eye black, just, though, to try and get some of the experience. uh, Yeah, of course. But, no, it it was a lot of fun. That was, uh, you know, something I really enjoyed. It was... It was so unique. That was my first ever outdoor game, and that was. Uh, it would have been nice if we could have scored a goal, but it was. It was a good experience.
0: <laughs> it looks like so much fun. Like, not that watching hockey isn't fun on TV, but for some reason, whenever it's just outside, it just makes it so much. I don't know. It's like the element of surprise. Like anything could happen because the ice could be shit, the puck could bounce somewhere. It just makes it more fun, I think.
1: Yeah, and even you look at some of the games where it's snowing so much and. It's, it just kind of brings back hockey to its grassroots. And, yeah, it's anything can happen. You know, you, you get bad ice or you get the huge snowstorm. and Yeah. You know, the, I think it was the Pittsburgh one where Crosby scores a goal and he's basically shoveling shoveling snow.
0: That's the one, yeah. The first, it was yeah. one of the first ones, I think, yeah. first, against Buffalo. Yeah. um but, uh, So, yeah, McDavid, sorry. A lot of us watch him on TV. You get to compete against him. How quick is he in real life? Like, do you like I don't even know what else to say you you tell me about him I guess
1: so like here's how I explain it to my buddies like he's fast but he, like most guys are there's a lot of really fast guys without the puck in the NHL Yeah. but he doesn't lose a step when he has the puck and that makes him so dangerous because he's going top speed when he has the puck you know whereas most guys they get the puck and they might slow down a half stride or whatever and it seems like he doesn't miss a beat so um he's so dangerous because he's he's doing everything at top speed and he's got such great vision and he, he he's such a good playmaker that you know he's coming down barreling on you and he doesn't look like he's moving and he's now 12 feet ahead of you so um yeah he his speed is such a weapon it's it's so hard to defend like I, I play with Brandon Tanev a lot, who he works out with, McDavid, in the summertime. He, he's a real fast guy, too. So anytime they, they have a stationary breakout when they set up behind their net, and McDavid wheels, we just uh, defer to Brandon and tell him, you know, try and keep up getting his way. Well, we'll take the other guys.
0: Is that what the coach is saying, like, before the game? Like, is that the game plan? Like, obviously the coach must say something. Like, is there really anything well, to say?
1: No, you know, like... I, I think it's you have to be aware of certain players on the ice. It's similar with McKinnon, and you know he's he's so fast and dynamic as well, and he's so good at weaving through that. You know, if you can kind of deter them from moving the puck to him on that that set breakout, and you force one of their other guys to carry up the puck, it, it's just going to be more beneficial to you. So, you know, I, I think anytime you see McDavid swinging low and behind the net, you want to get as close to him as possible to try and have have them kind of defer and move the puck to you know another one of his wingers say yeah but then you have nugent hopkins bringing up the puck who, who's also a great player so
0: yeah. it's kind
1: of pick your poison at that point
0: it's almost like you gotta do a one three one just like force him to one side and then just like get him in the neutral zone or something I have no yeah idea.
1: You, you almost just want to get in front of him and make him not be able to skate you gotta yeah. put some obstacles in his way
0: yeah is he a chirper at all? Does he talk on the ice, or does he just he just shuts up and plays?
1: No, you know what? Like he's, he's for the amount of abuse like those star players take. Like everyone's always got a stick in him, and you know they're cross checking him. You don't hear him complain much. He doesn't really engage with the other team. He kind of just goes about his business. He's he's, yeah. he's arguably the best player in the world for a reason. I personally i think he is but you know you have crosby who's who's still amazing and then there's a handful of other guys that could be in that conversation as well so yeah but you know he, he it for when we play i mean it seems like he, he kind of is just more worried about putting four or five points on the board
0: that's fair um i wanted to talk to you about about your dad right now he's coaching in la correct yeah okay yeah, he's in la so what do you like we're when you go to LA, are you guys going out to dinner beforehand? Do you keep in touch with your dad like on a day-to-day basis? I've always wondered about that relationship. Like, he's in the NHL, you're in the NHL. You're both busy guys. Like, where does the uh, like, how often do you guys talk, chat?
1: Um, yeah, we, we talk quite a bit. Usually, when we go down to LA, I'll just go home. Uh, my mom and dad are both down there, so I'll I'll go home for a home cooked meal on the road. And
0: where do you guys consider home? Sorry, by the way. Uh, Calgary. Calgary. Okay. So my,
1: my parents spend their... Winters down in LA, and then as soon as the season's done, they go back to their place in Calgary. Smart I, I have people a spot there too. So yeah. Um. But yeah, so it, but the last few times it's actually been a weird schedule where, you know, I, I've been down there and they've either been kind of on the road coming back to play us. So I've had dinner with my mom and my, my dad's been out of town, and then we see him the next day. But you know, it, it was fortunate we we had our home opener this year against LA so my mom flew up to Winnipeg and my dad's parents came in out of Ontario and we were all able to to go for dinner the night before the game and then the Kings were headed out east so they ended up staying the night so I, I got a couple days with them to to spend time you know it's it's busy so generally we, we don't see a lot of each other maybe at Christmas time and the the odd time we play each yeah. other throughout the year
0: is your dad's um is your dad's house safe right now? Like with the fires?
1: Yeah, so that's actually... Um, so they're in Manhattan Beach right now, and my mom's sending me pictures and sending me pictures of kind of the fires because you get to start seeing them coming over the hills. I, I believe it's all at Malibu, and that's been getting evacuated and yeah. kind of in that area. And so she's, she's been kind of telling me what, what's what been going on and sending me pictures, and um, some of the, the pictures are, are pretty spooky. Like she, she had one where... Know basically the sky was glowing and crazy. Um, she said it, it got dark at like 4:30 because the smoke was so high that the the sun on the horizon couldn't get through. It wasn't even a glow; it was just dark. And so
0: wow. Well, that's good that he's safe. Manhattan Beach. He's down the coast a bit further.
1: Yeah, but you know that that's pretty scary it's stuff. Very so. scary.
0: Um. So yeah. <coughs> last question, T. J. Galliardi. That's the connection that we've had together uh yeah. that he set this up what what's uh what's tj like as a as a teammate because he's running a company now so he has employees working for him so i'm sure his employees yeah. are going to want to hear some dirt on him or something so they can get back at him whenever whenever tj gets mad i guess
1: yeah oh tj is awesome as a teammate i you know what i think he he had such a unique relationship with andrew Ladd that andrew Ladd was her was my captain at the time and um it was my first year in the nhl and you know, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. And Galley comes in, and you know, Andrew's a pretty serious guy. And even just playing sewer balls, uh, Galley was able to just push his buttons and just get under his skin. And you know, you'd he, see the sense of humor. And you know, he, he, if anyone else was doing it, uh, I feel like Laddie would have gotten a lot, lot angrier. But just the way Galley would do it, it was, you know. I, Everyone just enjoyed it. It was it was a great time. So, Galley was a great teammate. I, I think he he likes to enjoy himself. He, he's a pretty laid back guy. And
0: you gotta um, give you gotta give me something. He doesn't do anything weird. He doesn't like.
1: Well, he's always when he's flying. He's this is new. This wasn't when we were playing, but now he's always telling the guys at security he's got low blood sugar, so he can sneak his chia seed puddings through <laughs> the the security. He's got all his snacks and. Uh. He's got he's wearing his Infinity Defender necklace to protect him from all the uh, the harmful radiation or whatever else is out in the atmosphere and but
0: <laughs> That's funny. Are you there? Yep. You there? Alright man, well hey, thank you very much for, for calling in. I appreciate you taking the time. I know what are you doing the rest of the day actually?
1: Uh, I got a massage. We have a day off, so uh, treat treat myself.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right right on. Um, Yeah, I just want to wish you good luck the rest of the season. Uh, Good luck in the Western Conference. It's a very tough conference. Um, Hopefully, you guys have success like you had last year in the run. And, yeah, nothing but the best.
1: Hey, thanks a lot for having me on.
0: All right, sounds good. Just stay on the line here. I'm just going to end the podcast here, and then I'll talk to you in a sec here. Sounds good. All right, thanks again. Yeah, no worries. All right, so once again, thank you very much to Adam for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. I know the NHL schedule is very busy, so the fact that he took time out of his day to talk to me, wicked. Also, thank you to TJ uh, for connecting me with Adam. That was awesome. Everyone listening, make sure to go check out The Doctor's Formula. That is TJ's new company. They make protein products, plant based it's very good it gives you a lot of energy it's very healthy for you uh yeah make sure to go check it out it's called the doctor's formula i'm working with them a bit as well it's a great company uh yeah try it out so everyone listening once again thank you very much for all the support i appreciate it get out there it's monday it's sunny the hardest day of the week so people say monday it's pretty much over so get out there have fun enjoy your lives here we go